Hey, greetings everybody. You're listening to We On This Town Music, the podcast for showcasing new and notable music from Nashville and surrounding areas. I'm your host, Michael Eads, and this is volume 245. This show is part of We Own This Town, a podcast network focused on entertainment and documentary content brought to you by Nashvillians. Look us up at weownthistown.net and follow us at We Own This Town on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to get updates on all the latest episodes from every show across the network. We've got a mailing list on our site, and you'll get a weekly reminder about all of our releases if you sign that. Our motto around these parts is, if we can grow this thing, we can keep doing it. Subscribing is a pretty basic ask, but it truly helps. So please, subscribe. All right, so this week on the show, as you may have gleaned from the episode title, we sit down with songwriter and composer Lydia Luce. Her new album, Dark River, was released back in February and has garnered an absurd amount of press, from NPR to Forbes to, I guess now, we own this town. It's a beautiful record that finds a balance between the vulnerable and the empowered, and sometimes both. It's also laden with strings, a noteworthy attribute for any record, but especially so when it comes to Luce, as she is the founding member of Lachlan Strings. I won't give away too much of what we talk about, but if you aren't familiar with the Lachlan Strings community gathering, click through in the episode description for their social media and mark your calendar for May 1st at the Basement East for a really special upcoming performance. She's made a very unique thing and Nashville is much better off for it. We talk about her history, her songwriting, and how she manages to keep evolving. Coming from a classical music background, to making folk and bluegrass music, to making indie and rock-inspired songs, to making an ambient EP, which is coming soon, is not a journey that most folks have. So let's just dive in. First up, let's hear the title track from Dark River, and then we'll get to the interview. There are those in your life who will see you as a light with an ever-glowing flame to share. They put me on a pedestal, so I gave them everything. But now I'm waking slowly with that empty feeling. Down to the 
All right, well, you just heard Lydia Luce. Luce? God, did I say it wrong already? No, you, yeah, well, you nailed it. Nailed it. All right, well, we're joined by Lydia Luce, and we just heard from Dark River, track off of Dark River, and we're going to talk all about your history. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is really exciting. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I want to just dive right into it and talk about this record, because I think it's kind of different for you based on the previous records that I've heard from you. I went back into your Spotify and listened to your discography and kind of tried to frame what, what what it is about this record that's very different and i think there's a lot more rock vibes to it is that inaccurate no that's absolutely accurate okay well can you can you just kind of tell me how you made this record what brought this about we'll get into your general history but i really want to frame that song we just heard and just the record in general yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely way more rocky than my other stuff. I feel like I've just been evolving since the first EP. Like the first EP I put out was five songs recorded in my friend's house. And I was just like figuring out the songwriting thing. And that was very like singer songwriter, maybe even like folky in a little bluegrass, not bluegrass, but <laughs> more stri- more like Americana vibes. Yeah, those, then, those aren't bad words. Those are, no, they're all yeah. great. Everything's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think the second, and then the, the record Azalea was like transitioning from that into then the folk and like still Americana, a little bit of rock, but mm-hmm. we weren't quite there yet. And yeah. now we're like, we're there. So fun. I saw this amazing write-up in Forbes on on your record and on you, and it does talk a lot about the sort of folk and Americana kind of history that your music has. And it's so funny to come into this not knowing any of that and just listen to the record first, this new record first. Like, really? This came from, kind of grew out of folk and Americana. It's, it doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah, I agree. I think as artists, like, we can just... I don't know, we can just kind of keep evolving and changing our sounds and there's no rules. Like, I don't I don't like the idea of being put in a genre box anyways. And so I like some of my favorite artists are just their each record is like a different genre or they're just mm-hmm. like spiraling out into whatever is organic and natural to their creative flow and evolution. Yeah, isn't that super scary though? Cuz you you know, if you've done an Americana record with success, you're like, okay, I know how to, I know what to do with an Americana record. I can keep yeah. I can keep building on that. But if you're genre shifting, it's like, oh, I'm in a new pool now. Is that scary? Oh. I I was a little afraid of it, and I had a lot of conversations with my team about it just in that I wanted to I wanted to kind of move into like the more rock like indie kind of world because I just felt myself going there and so I there was a lot of conversations about trying to move the needle in that direction but naturally mm-hmm. and worrying that people might have pigeonholed me into a category mm. and it was more that it was like I'm not going to change who I am for you but I hope you still like this next thing. Sure, yeah. I think if we create with like, I'm creating for you or this audience or that audience, it doesn't come off authentically anyway. So Mm -hmm. it was, the conversation was just, this is my goal that people 
get the genre, get the direction I'm going in and hopefully like it. And, you know, I'm sure they will. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your press on this has been phenomenal. You've been written up uh, some great accolades all over the place. Well-deserved, I should say. Well-deserved. It's a really wonderful record. I think you talking about changing genres makes me think of uh, the Becca Mancari record and how that seemed like a huge shift for them to go from kind of more Americana style to like almost full on pop, you know, like yeah, pretty big cool. shift. But it, it, it does feel more authentic. I think that's really an excellent point from you. I think also we can't talk about any music you make without talking about strings. I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty integral part here. And that sort of leads into your general history. So I think for the listener out there, they should know the full discography of your works laden with strings. And there's good reason for that, because that's sort of your origin story in a way. So I wondered if you could speak a little to that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, my mother was a classical conductor, organist, like women's choir. She did women's choirs, like pianist all just musician classical musician so i my brother and i grew up playing music in her world and she kind of um with great influence presented (laughs) us with the not really option but um direction of music and it was really rigorous like we grew up in a very intense like classical family and so we we played in her orchestras i went to a conservatory for my first college we practiced since we were like six and seven. We practiced with kitchen timers every day, Oof. 30 minutes, an hour, 30, like piano, violin, viola, like my brother plays cello. Um, and yeah, we just kind of did that. And I did that thinking I did that with under her guys. But then like I really fell in love with classical music when I was in high school. Mm. I thought I wanted to be a professional classical violinist and then switched to viola and kept just going down that line until um, I was in the conservatory and just practicing my butt off. And then I played this one concert and I'd practiced like so much to learn this. Um, It was the Walton Viola Concerto, performed it. And there was just like this, like, I don't know, it just dropped off for me. Like I've done all Hmm. this work and I've played the show and then I feel nothing. Like I just felt like, Oh God, I'm gonna have to do that all again. Another like hard thing. And then have like just all the anxiety of performing it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't in love with it. So I started, uh, I kind of just stumbled into songwriting because I listened to, I listened to a lot of songwriters and like Damien Rice and sure. Like Fleetwood Mac, I grew up with Fleetwood Mac and Peter Paul and Mary and all of those. Yeah, how does that? Dudes. How does having a classical background tint the way you listen to contemporary music and songwriting in general? Like, could you listen to a Fleetwood Mac song and automatically kind of bank it into some other classical kind of categorization? No, my mom always says this about music. She always says she can't listen to music without. Uh, analyzing it and I don't have that problem Mm. I can totally just absorb it and I do with uh, a little more with lyrics now that I'm a songwriter though I'm like dang that's good (laughs) I wish I wrote that first (laughs) or just like sure just just uh really um 
aware of the, a well-written lyric yeah. and more so actually for me than like, oh my gosh, why did they go to this chord or, and, and I also am very aware of the arrangements because um, mm -hmm. I find I, I'm drawn definitely to like more the orchestral sounds and like instruments, like interesting instruments, like when somebody throws a clarinet in something, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. So my ear goes to those things, maybe because of the classical background or just because the clarinet's really cool. The clarinet is fantastic, particularly in like a, in a Americana or rock context. It's very surprising. It is very surprising. And that's why I love it. And also French horn, like, We've put a lot of French horn in things. Mm, love like a French horn. The last two records, yeah. Yeah. I like a so, flute every once in a while. It's very mm -hmm. shocking to hear a flute sure. in a rock song. but It works occasionally. So Tall did it first. Maybe not, but... <laughs> Popularized it for sure. You popularized it. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you're in school. I, I think I read that you were spent some time in California for a while, and you've played for like an exhaustively impressive number of people in terms of like the strings that you've played for. I believe Dolly Parton and Eminem are on the list. I don't know that you can... You can put things higher than that. That's pretty phenomenal. What a, what a strange coupling. Oh, yes. But yes. What, what brought you to Nashville from all that? Was it a desire to be a songwriter? Was it just knowing that that's existed in full in this, in this area? Yeah, I think the music that I was kind of writing, the genres that I was writing in um, and interested in kind of tapping into were more predominantly in Nashville than I was finding in L.A. Mm -hmm. And I had gone to, I got my master's degree at UCLA in the viola. And so I was there and I was doing some session work, but then halfway through that, I really wanted to pursue the songwriting thing while maintaining my career in viola. And like, because I was making money doing that and not songwriting at the time. So sure. still doing that. But I stumbled into a great Americana scene in LA, but thought that, I I just felt like I'd visited and lived here in the summers in between for a few months. And I just like, I felt that it would benefit me more to be here where it's just happening all around me instead of just sure. one little niche pocket of LA. Mm -hmm. But I go back to LA a lot still. And I think sure. there's just, you know, there's great music everywhere. Oh yeah. LA is awesome. LA is yeah. a great place. It's Nashville great. is a great place. They're just great. <laughs> different great places. People live in like tiny towns around the country that make amazing music. And that's also, and we don't, this is like a rabbit trail, but that's also the, the interesting and amazing thing about remote recording. Like mm. you can live wherever right. and you don't have to be in the music scene or in the music city right. to be an incredible musician like you can go live in idaho if you want to that's true <laughs> nothing wrong with idaho it's good stuff there too i'm sure yeah. so do you find yourself doing that often like do you do a lot of remote collaboration and and songwriting remotely no i was just saying that. no um <laughs> i i have been this year of course yeah, of course yeah yeah i've ex like for a good amount of time this year, I've exclusively been remote recording and this is my studio space. Like, and uh, I, yeah, I like, I'm grateful for that because mm -hmm. there was no session work because nobody was going to studios. Now mm -hmm. I do more session work, but everyone wears masks and stuff. 
but I'm still doing remote recording. And actually since it's interesting, like since COVID, I, like I hadn't thought to do it before. And now I'm like, oh, I can record in my house and not <laughs> leave and work with people in LA or, mm. so I've been getting more work remotely. And this past month we had an epic snowstorm and I took the time to make an ambient music EP in my studio just by myself which will be dropping in two weeks. What? So. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, I like, I don't know. So I'm a big fan of the remote recording thing now, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say anything positive about COVID, but sometimes there's like a weird, tiny silver lining, silver lining silver. to a thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was terrible. We all agree. It's it awful. Terrible. Let's get vaccinated. Let's get out of this. Let's go back yeah. to how Amen. we were. Amen. But hey, remote recording pretty good (laughs) great and i also feel that it can save money sure totally Uh, yeah and i mean i think you know you said it already but like just the availability of people who are so talented not being in the same city is not a blocker like you can play on an incredible record now even if you're two thousand miles away it's totally doable i think that's really exciting so exciting it's like the Technology freaks me out, but then there's cool, there's like cool stuff like that where you're like, how amazing. It's like time traveling. If people would have heard that we could do this back in the day, they would have thought that's crazy. Yeah. Impossible. That's a, that's a future lie. No way. Future lie. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you've come to Nashville, you're embedding yourself in the scene, which, you know, I'm a non-musician. I don't know what it's like to even find songwriting partners. I don't know if that's a difficulty or if, you you know, the time you had spent here before kind of like yielded, okay, I know this person, I can go talk with them. But you did something very unique in that you started this whole, you know, Lachland Strings is what I'm getting to. And I would love to hear you describe it in your own words, like what is Lachland Strings? Because for people that aren't familiar with it, it is fascinating it's a wonderful thing but just literally i've lived in nashville my whole life this has not existed before yeah i'm proud of it and it's it's one of the things i've missed the most this past year because it started as a house show when i moved here from la i had i lived in apartments for years because i lived in boston and dc and then la and when I moved here, I moved into a house and I really wanted to do house shows. And so it started as this tiny little house show and it was called Lachlan Sings. And it was just songwriters that I was meeting, like come play at my house, you know, a couple songs, mm-hmm. a little a party. And it was kind of a party. We served food. I made beans and rice with some friends. And like, it was just, it really started as like a organic, uh, just a community thing. And then I started meeting more people and Jordan Lenning, who I co-produced this last record with, and he produced the last, the record prior to that. He's an amazing composer. And we got to talking about like my background in classical music and how he wished that he had a a reason to compose. Mm -hmm. And so Lachlan Sings had been kind of a thing for maybe three years and it had already gotten a really big following. And we'd been doing some like, artists with string quartets backing it backing them which is already so cool and just to see and be in an intimate space where your favorite artist is playing with a string quartet Mm -hmm. 
and it's super cheap to go. <laughs> like I'm charged like eight, like eight dollars, maybe five. Mm-hmm. At some point, it was donation, like if you can. And so then Jordan and I started talking about doing a composer salon, where you we in, talked to a handful of um, people that were either interested in composing, had dabbled in it, and wanted to do it, or already were composing. And so we curated this night and it just really organically turned into the, it was like such a hit and people were so fascinated by that. And what, what my intentions are and have been since kind of that, since it's been evolving is to create a space where people can see string music, see contemporary music without having to be a member of the symphony and pay a hundred dollars to go to a concert no no offense to this that's a great thing too and i love going to the symphony but this creates more of a community aspect community vibe we work with different nonprofits. we bring in nonprofits to literally talk to the community the crowd and explain to them in person what they do for our community meet each other um donate like it's just um it's just really awesome and i'm just so grateful for it and proud of what it's become and i actually just found out this week that we we were supposed to play with the national ballet last fall but of course covid and so that's gonna happen now this fall coming up in november so it's just like growing so quickly Mm -hmm. and and like yeah like you said there's there was nothing like it i think when i don't know there it's become so popular because people wanted it people needed it yeah. it's like i don't know i needed it <laughs> big fan of jordan Lenning. we've had him on the show before we've been a oh, cool. big fan of his work for as long as he's from from when he came back from college and you know set up shop back in nashville i mean he's an incredible talent for sure um, but you know, I'm, I know a lot of other people that are involved, like Larissa Maestro is a, a, a friend and the work that she does with all of the string, you know, composition work that she does. It just, it didn't seem like there was really an outlet for it at all. Like where does someone like Jordan or Larissa go to practice, to show off this stuff? And I think that was so true for so many people in Nashville and you created a conduit for it. It's really, it's remarkable. So I, I hope that we can get back to doing it regularly because I'd love to attend and just see what it's all about. It, I've well, seen photos online and it looks amazing. It's, it is amazing. And speaking of the amazing Larissa Maestro, um, she, we are playing her piece at the basement East. We're doing a Lachlan string show at the basement East at 6 PM on May 1st. Oh, cool. And just because, uh, a lot of people will be vaccinated by then, which is so crazy to think about, mm-hmm. but like I don't know like so many people are vaccinated or half vaccinated and I'm getting my second shot tomorrow so congratulations uh, thank you so much mm-hmm. I'm so excited so we're gonna do that and it's weird it's weird to like you know oh yeah do it but we gotta you know kind of do it right yeah, we have yeah. to kind of start going back into into the world yeah that's a pretty beautiful way to get back to you know the world before it's like a string performance like it's a very emotionally sweeping thing to experience so and i've heard her piece and actually played it and it's so 
like I just got goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's a reflection about the tornado. Mm. And she's one of my favorite composers in town. And honestly, part of the reason why Lachlan Strings exists is like selfishly because I want to play new music all the time. Like, yeah. It's Super fun. I was a part of a little, a little bit of a part of uh, the contemporary music LA scene. And it's just so, it's so cool to me to like be a part of that kind of scene where it's like, there are no rules. There are no rules in creating music, but with contemporary and instrumental music, it seems even more open and borderless because hmm there's no words it's super interpretive there are no rules like people just go all out and totally i love yeah i'm curious how you take that mindset that there are no rules and you apply that to your record which is as we started with this is laden with strings so do you let that lead you like are the are the strings supplemental to the songwriting or are the strings the foundation? I'm just I'm curious because that's such a big part of you that how is that driving the songwriting aspect of it? The the strings are a a yummy layer. I don't start with like a string idea. I start with the song and often like when I'm writing the song or once it's made I'm like yes, obviously strings, but <laughs> Honestly, we do that on almost all of the songs. Sure. It, because strings are so versatile and really you can do so much with them and put them on everything. But it's usually an after idea and the song is a kind of complete entity and the strings are, they either work together or it's a added bonus layer. Yeah. Uh, maybe in time is probably, it's among my favorites on the record that, that really showcase that in a beautiful way for, for me. They're all good. Thanks, man. <laughs> I have time too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also want to call out the uh, the performance you did at the Parthenon as part of the Echo series. Mm-hmm. What a what a place to perform music with strings. I mean, yep. just unbelievable. I'll link it in the uh, episode description for anyone that hasn't watched it yet. But performing at the Parthenon in general is kind of a bonkers offering. Yeah. yeah. Lachlan Strings got to play, do the first ever Echo thing in person. I think it was in 2018. And it was so, it was unreal. It was so cool. Like the reverb in that room is like six seconds delay. <laughs> and so you're just like in a ocean of sound. Like I got to bring my viola, just me. Um, and we were checking out the space when we were thinking about doing the, that first lock on string show and just play by myself. And it's so weird because it's so, the reverb's so intense. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Where'd that come from? I played that six seconds ago. Yeah. It's think, awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you talking to us. Uh, I'm going to probably play another song from the record on the way out here. Uh, and now we have an ambient album to look forward to as well. And a performance at the Basement East. Would you say May 1st for that? May 1st. Yep. Put it on the calendar for sure. Yay. Yeah. And I will once again endorse that everyone check out this record. It's a really beautiful thing. Very much. So thanks a lot for taking the time. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Lydia for chatting with us. Let's hear two more tracks from the record as we wrap up this episode. 
That was two more tracks from Lydia Luce's latest record, Dark River. That was Occasionally and Maybe in Time. You can find that record linked in the episode description or or streaming anywhere you stream music. And that's our show. We'll be following up this episode with a more standard music-filled episode, but we just wanted to share this Luce interview ASAP so you knew about the basement performance on May 1st and the upcoming Ambient EP, and frankly, about Dark River. It's something you should be listening to. Find us at We Own This Town on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, where you'll get updates about all the new episodes from all our We Own This Town shows. Visit our site, weownthistown.net. Join that mailing list. Find more information about all our podcasts. Find music reviews and premieres. I say it at the top, and I'll say it again at the bottom. If we can keep growing this, we can keep doing this. Again, I acknowledge that asking you to subscribe is really basic, but it really does help. It actually helps a lot. So please do that and uh, email me if you want, michael at weownthistown.net. I can be reached there. Many thanks to Upright T-Rex Music for the music playing underneath me right now. Find them at uprighttrexmusic.com. Take care. Keep wearing your mask. Get yourself a vaccine appointment. You can do that now, and you 100% absolutely should. Thank you, and I'll talk at you real soon. Bye.